if you had to choose someone to mother your children, who would you choose? I have to admit I struggled this week putting together a Mother's Day sermon. Number one is because, as you can tell, I am not a mother. And I don't suppose that anything has ever been said or will ever be said that is eloquent enough or expressive enough to articulate the true value of a mom, a good mom. Few things are more powerful than the tears and prayers of a mom. Few things are more tender than a mother's hug or a caring touch. But it would be naive to not acknowledge the fact that for some, the whole mother thing is not necessarily a great thing. For some, motherhood was an accident. And not always a welcome one. For some of you, biological mom or being a biological mom was not a possible thing. For some of you, you don't even know who your biological mom is. Somebody else raised you. And they were great and they were fantastic. But they were not your biological mom. For some of you, mothers weren't even all that nice. I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand or anything like that, but just in case mom is here, you know. <laughs> but for some of you, your mom was uncaring, maybe even cruel. Some of you have had the daunting task to be both mom and dad. And I can't even imagine what that's like. I turned, sorry, I'm going to probably embarrass this man, but I turned to Chad and said, did somebody bring you a rose? And he just said, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. I will tell you this. I was one of the fortunate ones. I was one of the lucky ones. My mom, uh, absolutely, she had challenges. Uh, she went through World War II. She was imprisoned for about two months in a uh, Nazi camp. Uh, she uh, endured poverty. She never knew her dad. Her dad had died from a wound from World War I, and when she was, so her dad died when she was nine months old, so never knew her dad. And so that caused some emotional scarring. It took a toll on her, and yet she was a force of love. My mom had amazing patience, one of the most encouraging and supportive people I know. I remember when I... Um, uh, wanted to play drums. My mom never discouraged me. Even when I broke her pots and pans and dumped stuff out of the dash thing so that I can use it as a place to hit and broke her wooden hangers so I can use the middle part as sticks. You know what I mean? She was just like, no problem. She was, just, she was always there. She had broken enough sticks on me, you know, <laughs> times. And uh, although it was extremely difficult for my mom, when she realized that I was leaving, for her, this was a, a big deal. We, I was raised in a, in a very devout 
uh, Catholic family. And, and we went to church every Sunday. And uh, uh, in fact, my sister still does, you know. Um, uh, but when I found Jesus through the Seventh-day Adventist Church and I decided I was going to get baptized through that church, I'll never forget how much it hurt my mom. My mom actually said to me, if you get baptized, don't you come back into this house. But I knew it was my mom. I knew she didn't really mean it. And although she, she laid in bed for two weeks in protest to let me know how bad it was, she couldn't help but love me. And when my day came that I was ordained as a minister, my dad had already passed away. My mom was there in the heat, 101 degrees at Camp Berkshire to cheer me on. I was one of the lucky ones. And I married a great mom, Nancy. <laughs> Just think. I see Nancy in so many ways in my daughter Brianna. Artistic, adventurous, free spirit, smart, creative, sarcastic. It's all, it's all from mom. And I sometimes wondered, just hypothetically, hypothetically, what if something happened to Nancy during those formative years? What if I had to choose someone, someone else to Mother Brianna? Who would I choose? What would I look for? Would I look for some, someone that was also artistic? Would I look for someone that was educated? Would I look for someone that, that had more experience? Would I look for someone that was wealthy, maybe? What would I look for? Would I look for someone with fame or somebody who was a good cook? What would I look for? You know, for God, that was not a hypothetical question. Because when the fullness of the time had come, the Bible tells us that Jesus was born of a woman. Have you ever wondered about what did God think about when he was thinking about who is going to be the earthly mom of my son? This is not a Christmas sermon, but I do want to take you to Luke chapter 1. How do you choose who gets to carry God and care for God? We're going to start with verse 26 here. And it says this, In, in the sixth month, God sent an, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So this woman is a virgin. She is pledged to be married. She's probably about 15 years old, and all she has on her mind is wedding plans, romance, a life with her husband Joseph. And then this angel shows up. It says the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings. <laughs> what would you do if an angel showed up in your life and said, greetings? And you can immediately tell this is an angel. This is not some, like, apparition of some, like, dream or something. This is like, oh, wow, you know. I don't know about you, man, but I, that would freak me out a bit. I may have to say, hi, excuse me, and go and change and come back, right? I don't know. 
Greetings. And then he says these words, really important. He says, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. What would you do if God said to you, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you? That would freak me out. I mean, who does God choose? Why would he say this? Do not be afraid. Mary was greatly troubled, it says, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> I love that. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Oh, great, you know my name, too. Why would he say this to her? What was it about Mary? Why would she be upset? Why would she be afraid? And why would he have to say to her, do not be afraid, unless she looked afraid? Does that make sense? I mean, some of you would know exactly what that means, right? To be afraid like this. This is, what are you saying here? Hold on. What are you trying to, why are you here? Because your life is going to be disrupted, Mary. But don't be afraid. Normality will no longer be, Mary, but don't be afraid. The romance that you were looking for, that's going to have to take a back seat to something because you are highly favored. But don't be afraid. You're going to have some unexpected responsibilities, but do not be afraid because you are highly favored. And I think, I think Mary got it, and I think we all should get it whenever we get the sense that God is favoring us, that God is not saying, hey, you are highly favored. This is not an, a, a statement of status, but a statement of purpose. Are you following me? Because God highly favors you. Because you are believers. Because you are a kingdom of priests. Because you have been asked to carry Jesus to this generation. How are we doing? You are highly favored, but it is not a statement of position or status it is a statement of purpose. God chose Mary. She, he chose the most ordinary to demonstrate his extraordinary power. I love that about God. He says it again, just in case you didn't get it. You have found favor with God. <laughs> you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. She knew exactly what that meant. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You're the one we're choosing. And all that can come out of Mary's mouth at that moment is, how can this be? But I'm a virgin. What would you do if all of a sudden the angel said, oh, forget that, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> We're not doing that then. I didn't know. Sorry, you know. It's like, 
I mean, this is what we do, right? We say, but, but God, we can't do this. But God, I'm not strong enough. But God, I'm a virgin. But I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. But God, how am I going to tell Joseph? I don't know if Nancy ever came to me and said, hey, by the way, an angel appeared to me. And I'm with child. And I'm carrying the Son of God. I'm going to tell you right now, I think I would probably have her committed. I'm just, you know. I, Joseph was an amazing man. To, he, at first he wanted to just send her away, but then he got his own little dream, his own little visitation. I'm glad God did that, by the way. The greatest enemy to our potential is the butts that we use all the time. Can you serve in this position? I, 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 I'd like to, but I'm too busy. But I'm, I'm too old. But I'm not an upfront person. But this, but you know what we need? We, we seriously need a butectomy. Excuse me. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying here? I mean, like, what is it with us and the fears that we have? Our limitations are no greater, which is what we're saying when we say those things. They're no greater than, than God's supernatural abilities. Do you believe that? Come on, you've heard me say it a thousand times. God is bigger than the obvious, more powerful than the predictable, and he loves to give impossibility an inferiority complex. Do you still believe it? You will hear this as long as I'm here, just so you know. I need you to memorize that. Because when I'm on my deathbed and you come to visit me, you say, Serge, don't forget, God is bigger than the obvious, more powerful than the predictable, and he loves to give impossibility, an inferiority complex. You've got to believe that. I believe it. The real question is not, whether my limitations are going to get in the way, the real question is, am I willing? Am I willing to pay the price to carry Jesus to my generation? We have been pro programmed to playing it safe. Have you noticed that? That's just the way we are. We, especially we, us, church people, right? We, we, we are so protective of our kids that that we have instilled these things in their minds. We have had these things instilled in our minds. See if you can, see if you can finish these sentences, right? Ready? Are you ready? Don't count your chickens. How do you know that? You can't have your cake and... That's right. If it's too good to be true... Apparently there's a few versions on that one. Good. If it can go wrong, yeah, let's see what's up with that. The one I can't stand the most is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or maybe it's just not broken, but maybe it's not great either. Maybe it needs to be better. The greatest enemy to excellence is good. <laughs> but we are, we are programmed this way. I love this quote by Anais Nin. She says, And the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful 
than the risk it took to blossom. We got to get to the point where we, we, we realize it's, it's worse to do nothing than to try something for God's glory. Life is risky. Have you noticed that? I don't know, what's, I don't know who, who's thinking that life isn't. I, I know it's risky. I, I learned that romance was risky. The first time a girlfriend broke up with me in high school. I'm like, what's this about? I thought, I thought we were going. Right? Life is risky. Have you noticed that? I remember, I remember the first time uh, that, uh, that I, 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 I got into a car accident. And I almost died. My car did a 360 degree, a few of them, on a six-lane highway in New York. And then went against this bank. And I'm like... Wow, this is dangerous. What am I doing driving? I mean, I remember getting in the car after that and, and just like trembling as I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive. Life is, I'm, have you ever heard people say things like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're afraid of being on an airplane? How many of you have heard this? Oh, it's a lot more dangerous in a car. That's probably true, but in a car at least I'm down there Right? My very first flight that I can remember, I knew I flew when I was three years old. I don't remember that, though. But my very first flight that I can remember, I was going to Florida to visit a friend of mine. I just, it was my 22nd birthday. It was so cool. But I was a little nervous because I had never flown before. I was sitting next to two elderly ladies. And they, apparently they could tell that I was a little nervous because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually the one that's reading the thing, you know, okay. Emergency, you go, okay, got it. I am paying attention, you know. And one of them says to me, this is, you're new at this, aren't you? Yes, I am. Oh, don't worry, she said. It's going to be fine. We fly all the time, she said. Okay. And I'm starting to feel like, okay, well, these, these elderly ladies are pretty cool with this. I mean, I'm feeling a little stupid right now, you know. But... I figured, why, you know, okay, and, but I'm still paying attention, making sure, and, and so now we get to talking, and she tells me where she's going, everywhere. I, they were sisters. I didn't know. And uh, as, as we're flying, they come, and, and they serve us in these little, everything's little in an airplane. You notice that? Little, little trays with little peanut things and little cups of water, and, you know, and so we're there. This is back in the days when they actually served a little bit of food, you know, and, you, and, and I was sitting there going, oh, this is pretty cool. This is, this is not that bad. My ears hurt a little bit, but not too bad, you know, and I'm like, this is fantastic, and then, and then all of a sudden, I'm hearing like, 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 what's up with that, you know, and she, and she looks over. She goes, oh, don't worry. That's, we're just, we're sitting by the wing. This is where the engine is going to be fine, really, Okay. It's, she says, it's just normal. Okay. And then, all of a sudden, the masks dropped. <laughs> I'm thinking, it's just normal. <laughs> this is just standard procedure, right? Ah, cool. And I looked over, 
And the women that I was sitting next to had their masks on and their eyes were like bulging out. <laughs> and I realized this is not standard procedure, you know? So now I'm like, okay, wait a minute, put it on me first. I don't have any kids. I, okay, you know, and I'm like trying to figure this out. Okay, how do I breathe? And I'm trying to breathe, you know? And all of a sudden, the, this, you know, people are like saying, put your seatbelt. Things were flying off. I mean, it was like, a, 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 what is going on over here, you know? I'm gonna die. My 22nd birthday. My very first flight. Whoever said, whoever said that it is more dangerous to drive had no clue, really, at this point. Captain comes over the loudspeaker and says, uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, We lost a little pressure. And uh, we're going to have to make an emergency landing in. Uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, and uh, but we'll sh we should be fine. I remember getting off that airplane. Those ladies never talked to me again, by the way. They were apparently embarrassed. I don't know. But they went straight for the bar. I kid you not. Everybody went straight for the bar, except for me. I go straight for the phone, and guess who I call? My mom, yes. You got it, right? That's what we do. We call mom. Who else are we going to call, right? I remember calling mom and saying, Mom, I'm okay. She goes, what do you mean you're okay? Well, let me just explain to you. I am calling from uh, South Carolina. And we had to do an emergency landing. And wow, she said. Get back here. That's what she said to me. <laughs> I said, well, no, they're putting us on another plane. You know, I got to tell you something. That was the day I learned that flying is risky. Life is risky. What is up with us and trying to not be risky? So that what? So that, so that we live our lives playing it safe all along so that when we get to the point where we die, we arrive at death safely. What is that? Are you following what I'm saying? What the, why? I'm not telling you to do something stupid. I'm not telling you to be some kind of daredevil. What I'm saying to you is sometimes we need to take some risks for God. Sometimes we need to be able to do what Mary did. Listen to what she did. She says, the angel answered. She, when he, she said, Mary asked, how is this going to be? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh. <laughs> so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of of God. And then he says these words. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And then he says, for nothing is impossible with God. Wow. For nothing is impossible with God. Would you say that with me? For nothing is impossible with God. Okay, now say it like you mean it. Okay, ready? For nothing is impossible with God. Now I say it like you really mean it, okay? For nothing is impossible with God. You've got to believe that. 
Otherwise, we are just playing church. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of playing church. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. <laughs> Thanks, bye. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. I know some of you moms are thinking, well, Mary had it easy. She had the perfect child. <laughs> he was always good. He was always obedient. Always. Can you imagine that, moms? That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? I mean, that's what every mom wants for Mother's Day, isn't it? They want a love, obedient child. Forget the chocolate. Forget the flowers, right? Forget the cards. I remember when I used to teach uh, elementary school, uh, we were sitting in, in, in our little reading circle, and uh, we were talking about Mother's Day. And I, uh, some of the kids were going, I can't wait to get my mom this, and I can't wait to get my mom some chocolates. And I, I made this beautiful card for my mom, and I'm going to get my mom flowers. And I go, wow. And there was always this one kid. I won't say his name, just in case he's still alive. There's always this one kid. Who used to say, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm getting that too. I'm getting that too. And I knew he didn't even know what he was talking about half the times. So I said to him, I said, we'll call him Justin. I said to him, no, let's call him Frank. I said, <laughs> sorry. I said to him, I said, Frank, you're going to buy your mom flowers? Yes, I am. I said, what, what's, what do you think, your, what's your mom's favorite flower? And he goes, oh, I know that. Gold medal, all-purpose. That's what he said to me. <laughs> True story. It really happened. I'm like, all right, you go ahead and get that for her. That's going to work out just fine, you know. Mary had the job of constantly protecting her son. You think it was easy? It was not easy. Can you imagine holding in our, in our heart this fact that she was now the mother of God? Constantly running away, hiding him, constantly protecting his identity. Do you remember the time the story talks about? It's found in Luke chapter, um, I believe it's chapter um, 2. There's the story of Jesus. They all go to Jerusalem, then they're, then they're coming back. And after a couple of days, the Bible says, they don't know where Jesus is. Have you ever had a child go missing? That is crazy stuff, man. One time, Nancy and I were at the mall. Brianna must have been about, I don't know, maybe three years old, four years old. And I should have known. I should have known. Nancy is really good about keeping an eye on, on Brianna, except for when she's in an art store. And we happen to be in an art store. And so I am looking at some other stuff because I'm bored. And she is looking at some stuff. And after a while, I'm, going, I'm just going to go to Nancy and just say, we got, it's time to go. We got to go, you know. So I go up to her and I go, hey, it's time to go. And she goes, okay, where's Brianna? I go, what do you mean, where's Brianna? Where is Brianna? I don't know. Where's Brianna? And this moment in us. I'm telling you, if, you, if anybody ever lost a kid? Sorry. <laughs> 
Sorry to bring up these memories. Let me tell you something, man. It was like, I couldn't care less who was. I am screaming, Brianna! Brianna, where are you? Brianna! And I am just like, where is she? And we're just walking around the mall. We're walking around the whole stores. We're going from store to store to store looking for Brianna. And then suddenly we spy her. We see her. She's all the way down at the other end by a fountain. And she's throwing pennies in the fountain. And we go up there and say, Brianna, what are you doing? You almost gave us a heart attack. She looked at us like we, like we were crazy. Why? I'm just throwing pennies in the fountain. Where'd you get the pennies from? Mommy gave them to me. Why would you give her pennies, right? I mean, that's, like, that's, that's where we go. Just totally, totally freaking out. Can you imagine this moment? And it says here that they searched... And then finally they found Jesus. He was with the rabbis. Isn't that cool? And when Mary says, hey, she says in uh, verse um, 48, she says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And then Jesus says, and he's about, what, I think 12 at this point. Why were you searching for me, he says. Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. From that moment on, I guess. <laughs> but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And I catch that. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She had to keep him in her heart because nobody could know until it was time. Now let me ask you moms something. How many moms would trade, gladly trade in their concern for a child? They think is lost for an acknowledgement from that child that they were spending time with God. Now that would be cool, wouldn't it? And Mary kept all these things in her heart, the Bible says. All these things in her heart. I love that. I love that. But then the time came when he was baptized. You remember this story? Of Jesus, he goes to a wedding. Remember that story? You don't? Well, I'm going to tell you, tell you about the story. <laughs> Stay with me, kid. All right, so here we go. Ready? So he goes to a wedding with his mom and his disciples, and they're all there, and the story says that they ran out of what? Wine. That's a bad thing to run out of at a wedding, right? So mom, mom says to Jesus, hey, do something about this. Do you remember what Jesus says? He says, woman, which by the way, I would not recommend you call your mom that. But <laughs> even if you are like in your 30s, don't, don't use that. Woman, he says, what have I to do with that? And true to her Jewish way, Mary's like, and, you know, see, here's the thing about the written word. We don't have like the facial expressions. I got a feeling Mary went, and then turned to the people there and said, whatever he says to do, you do. Because we know the next thing that happens, right? Jesus starts to order them to get things of, so that he could, uh, what? See, that's what moms do, don't they? Moms are the ones that kind of push us, push us out of the nest and says, okay, it's time. It's time. 
And God the Father knew that Mary would be the one to be able to do that. How cool is that? Sometimes we sanitize the Bible too much. The Bible tells us that at the cross, let's turn there, all the men had run away. By the way, I've been putting together a sermon on women in the Bible. You're going to want to be here for that. Because I believe that we are in a crisis. And we are not recognizing what God is doing through women to carry Jesus to our generation. And I don't know about you, but I am just at the point where it's like, come on now. And you, the more I study this, the more I'm convinced that we, are, we, are, we need to change our mentality on this. This is so extremely important. You'll see what I mean in a second. But here, they're all the men are gone except for John and the women. That's it. And it says in verse 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, this time he uses the word dear, which is kind of nice. Dear woman, here is your son. One of the last things that Jesus does on that cross is to take care of his mom. That ought to be some kind of reproach to some of us. And then he turns to his disciples, here is your mother, and, and, and then and says to him, here is your mother. And, he, and then from that time on, this disciple took her into his home, and she, he took care of her. Why? Because Jesus said so. Jesus did not leave his mom without somebody to take care of her. How cool is that? Thank you. I'm just like blown away by that. I needed to read that to you first before I read you the very last verse we're going to look at. And that's found in Luke. Because it's a strange verse. It's in Luke chapter um, 11, I believe. Beginning with verse 27, Jesus is teaching. Jesus is doing his thing. And it says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out. So Jesus is teaching. This woman calls out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. How nice is that? She's sitting there. She's listening to Jesus. She's going, what a great mommy must have had. <laughs> I, I've done the opposite sometimes. When I meet people that are like really warped, I'm like, must have had a really bad mom. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's really true or not, you know. But I, I, she's like this, is like, this is a great thing. You expect Jesus to go, yeah, mom was great. But he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. I don't know about you. That's a little edgy, a little cranky for Jesus to be saying that, don't you think? Like, why would you say that, Jesus? This woman is just trying to give you like a little bit of a, 
Hey, you know, giving props to your mom. Why would you not accept that? But I think what Jesus was saying, and as, as we study this further, as we understand this, is, is back in that culture, mothers, women were only useful for one thing, and that was to give birth to others. That was it. That was the only reason why, that's how, that's the only, the only thing that caused men to value women. In fact, there was a law in the Greco-Roman Empire that you, if you had a, 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 a girl baby, only if she was the firstborn do you have to keep her. Otherwise, you didn't have to keep them. So for every six men, there was actually a shortage of women back in those days. There was only one woman. That's how bad it was. So what Jesus is actually saying here is much deeper than we see. What Jesus is actually saying is motherhood, yes, absolutely, like fatherhood, is a noble calling, but it's not the ultimate calling. Rather, the ultimate calling is the, is the glorious adventure of coming to know and do the will of God. That's the ultimate calling. What Jesus is saying is you are more. You are more than the reflection that you see in the mirror. You are more than that. You are more than the numbers that you read when you step on a scale. I don't mean more numbers. Just let me clarify that. <laughs> then I came out the way I wanted. You're, 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 you're more of a being. You're much more than that. You're more than the number of heads that turn when you walk in the, in the, in the room. You are more. You are more than how many meals you serve. You are more than how artfully you can decorate something. You are more, Jesus is saying. More than the many titles you can accumulate. You are more. You are more. More that, than what men think of you. You are more than. You are more than all of this. You are also priests and rulers. You are. In fact, let me just tell you something. Here's what I'm finding out. That the whole way that men think of women changed because of Christianity. Because there was a Galilean man who taught us to value women for the beings that they were. For the ability that they have to carry God to their generation. You are more. And so the question remains today, and it's not just for women tonight, today, it's also for men. Are you willing to carry Jesus to your generation? Are you willing to carry Jesus to your generation? Are you willing to believe that nothing is impossible with God? Are you willing to do way more than what the world expects? but to do what God expects and sees you as. Are you? I'm going to pray as the worship team comes up. Father in heaven, you are an amazing, awesome God. And I want to personally ask forgiveness for the times that I have been chauvinistic.
for the times that I have not valued moms and women the way you value them. And Lord, I am thankful that I am part of a church that values women. I am thankful that I'm part of a congregation here in Richland that finds ways to unleash their gifts, their talents. And I pray, Father, that you would keep moving us in that direction. Help us, O Lord. I am thankful that I belong to to a small group of people that understand what I'm saying here. But, Lord, there is so much more that we have to do. Please help us to understand these things. Help us to not only honor our mothers tomorrow, but, Lord, all women. Help us, Lord, to recognize that all of us are way more than what people think of us. We are what you think of us. Thank you, Father, for not looking at our limitations, but imbuing us with your extraordinary ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.